Welcome back to the Forever Young podcast. We release episodes in the first of every month. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we're doing a late night recording session. Um, I guess it's later for you than it is for me, but yeah, Yeah. something different. It is. It's actually probably a perfect time for us to talk Uh about because just before bed, we're going to cover a few topics about sleep and all that sort of stuff as well in this episode. Mm -hmm. So this is the next episode on the book uh, about the Shen. Um, so Psycho-Emotional Aspects of Chinese Medicine by Alyssa Rossi. Um, and so in this episode, we cover section two, um, which is classical aspects of uh, pathogens, symptoms, and syndromes. So there's, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six parts. Yes, six parts, six parts. in this section. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so just briefly, they are constraint, emotions, and heat, agitation and restlessness, insomnia, manic depression, and then the classical syndromes. But we'll talk a little less about the classical syndromes um, because they're a bit more, I guess, from the early medical texts. And mm-hmm. I'm, honestly, I'm not sure how to interpret them and apply them at this stage because I think it's still just I'm still taking my time to understand what it all means. Um, so, yeah, a little bit less about the last two sections and a little bit more um, about the first few sections because I think that is very relevant to a lot of the patients that I see currently as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, for sure, I think especially after post-COVID, everyone's still adjusting to mm-hmm. back to normal life. And when you're dealing with that sort of stuff, it's very difficult to just mm-hmm. go from being isolated, staying at home to going back to work, socializing, everything like that. So mm-hmm. a lot of my patients are either dealing with this at the moment or have this on the side and they haven't really mm-hmm. confronted with it and they're dealing with the repercussions of that at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Okay, so the first chapter or the first section we'll go through is constraint um, or you, and this is um, as a result of the emotions being blocked and then the flow of the chi is no longer smooth. Um, So the results of the emotional blockage is the stagnation of the chi and the constraint of the liver. So the main thing that they talk about as the treatment is to release the liver and to regulate the chi. Um, So it talks about the knotting of the chi or the knotting at the chi level. Um, And I guess when we were at school, we always taught like liver chi stagnation is the first thing to come about when you're stressed or emotions. Um, So I guess this is just breaking that down and helping you to understand, I guess, a bit more about how it affects the body. Exactly. And what kind of, I guess, the severity at what it can lead into. So obviously we covered liver chi leads to liver young uprise because of all that nodding and all the stagnation. It goes a little bit more in depth of how, if the chi stagnates for a long period and how it can transform into heat because of mm-hmm. not being able to circulate and the descending function and ascending functions aren't regulated. That leads to sort of the trapping of the heat and that comes up and that causes a lot more problems as well for the shin. Mm. Yeah. So then 
it also talks about, I guess, the nature of the liver and talking about how it's um, like uh, spreading and draining. I think it's um, and how it's like closely um, linked with also like the wood, um, the element of the liver. It's very kind of like, um, like flexible, flexible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like and finding paths, like, you know, the roots, if there's something in the way, it'll just go around it. Um, so it's talking about how, like, when there's free flow and there's emotions, like obstacles that come up, um, when the liver is, you know, working well, it'll find its way around and it'll not obstruct. Like, like there's obstruct- obstruction won't just, like, the obstacle won't block it. It'll find its way around. It also talks a little bit um, about what happens um, when the chi is knotted and how it affects the heart as well. Um, Because I guess the main theme through all of this section is how the emotions and how these um, aspects of um, affects the shen, which is housed in the heart. So a lot of um, these pathogens or pathologies will cause the shen to leave the house, leave its house, leave the heart um, and leave its residence. So that's why you get all these symptoms that come up because the shen is not anchored and the shen is, shen is just like wandering. Exactly. And, and something else that she talks about in this book is I think a phlegm. Once chi is sort of stagnant, phlegm begins to form during that sort of time as well. Mm. And it's very different to what we sort of learned in university. We usually learn a dampness or something else that congeals the phlegm is usually there. But Mm. uh, she talks more about once that chi is stagnant, phlegm will begin to form. And it's very similar to the phlegm that we know everywhere else in the body. But in this case, it's more of a psychological aspect Mm. as well, where once that phlegm begins to grow, it's still that turbid and heavy substance and it tends to weigh down on top of whatever it's mm. blocking as well. So mm. not only does the function of the organ get affected, but all chi in that area will also not be able to flow, if that makes mm. sense. So if it's stuck in the middle jowl where the spleen and stomach hold the phlegm, then things aren't able to ascend and descend or same with the upper jowl things aren't able to come down and vice versa for all the different sort of jowls as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she talks um, also about the etiology of the constraints as well. Actually, maybe we should talk a little bit about the six specific use or the constraints because you mentioned the phlegm, um, yes. which is one of them. Um, so, she, she, so she mentions the six as chi, dampness, heat, phlegm, blood, and food. And they all kind of show in different areas. Um, For example, when there's chi constraint, there's more pain in the chest and the hypochondria, um, and the pulse is a bit deep and choppy. Whereas with the dampness, there's pain in the whole body um, or pain in the joints, and it's a bit more um, cold in the body with a deep and fine pulse. You mentioned the phlegm already, but the position, um, she mentions the position of the chun position in the pulse is deep and slippery. Um, And then when there's heat, there's confused vision together with restlessness um, and a deep and rapid pulse as well. And then for food stagnation, there's acid reflux, full abdomen, um, and the pulse is, um, the radial pulse is extremely wiry 
And then I think I missed the blood. Mm-hmm. Blood um, one is the limbs have no strength, so circulation's not good. Um, one cannot eat, so no appetite, and the stools are red and the pulse is deep as well. So you, I guess people can have a combination of these or I think mostly it's a combination of these. I don't yes. think they present in just isolation. Yes. I mean, I think how it generally works is that there is one major causing mm-hmm. U syndrome constraint, and then that will eventually start to affect depending on how long the patient has sort of suffered from mm-hmm. these kind yeah. of conditions as well. Mm-hmm. And then she mentions the cause of the U as seven emotions, or it can be an EPF, like a pathogenic factor, the hot or the cold or the damp. And also the third one is food related or lifestyle, like alcohol and greasy food can also contribute to this, which is, I guess, the classic ones that we learned when we're at uni as well. Yes, exactly. Mm. And I think easiest way, I guess, if you've done a bit of Chinese medicine before, is just mm. think about how it would affect like the pulse, for example. You wouldn't, ex- of course, you'd expect heat to be obviously rapid pulse. Mm-hmm. If it's slower, then obviously qi and blood's not flowing. So you would think that blood might be affected. The deepness of the power of the qi also would be affected. It um, makes a lot of sense if you think about how that constraint has affected that person through the mm. pulse as well. Mm. And then she also throws the organ theory into it. And she mentions how the constraints um, are present with different organs as well. Um, should we go through that? Yeah, we'll, we'll go through that. I think that's mm-hmm. a good idea. Okay. So the phlegm is associated with the lung. Um, the heart is associated with the fire the or the heat. And then the spleen is food. Then the liver is chi. And then the kidney is still water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is damp, right? Still uh... water is Damp? No, I think it's more like the like the water metabolism. It's like the, uh, yeah. the pot mm-hmm. sun jiao kind of bottom part mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the water part. It's the mm-hmm. fire water mm-hmm. axis kind of water. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. That she does also go through case studies um, as well, mm-hmm. which I think. Do you want to go through the case study now? Yes, I think yeah. it's a good idea because mm-hmm. something that I really like that she does is she mm-hmm. explains all the knowledge and everything of what's going on and then she uses a case study of, I think, what she's experienced in the past or mm-hmm. what she's actually done in order to explain it. And she goes through, oh, we'll go through it now, actually. I think it's mm-hmm. a bit easier. So mm-hmm. there's a patient who's 42 and he's had a problem with his cervical part of the spine. So they've done a few scans and that sort of stuff and everything has shown there's a little bit of calcification, but he complains a lot of having that tightness in the neck muscles, numbness coming down his hands, irritation, lack of strength in the four limbs, tingling at the top of the head, sensation of instability that worsens when he walks in unfamiliar surroundings and sporadic episodes of headaches in the left temporal to parietal zone together with nausea. Mm -hmm. Uh, During this time, he also suffers with colic pains, just pain in the bowels and the intestines, Mm -hmm. and they'll either be very normal or liquid Mm -hmm. with mucus. He, the tests also showed that he's, um, he has, 
diverticulitis, and with that, he's taking anti-spasmatic medicine whenever he needs. Um, other than that, his eating habits are generally quite under control now. The Shen part aspect that he's been affected by is that he frequently gets palpitations during the day, he's anxious, he's very agitated by anything unexpected, and he always tries to organize everything in advance. He has no incapacitating phobias, and but he describes himself as being at the limit. So he's his patience has kind of run thin at the moment and he's constantly agitated, uh, but sleep and all that sort of stuff is fine. The tongue is red at the tip. The coating is thick and white and with some yellow coating at the root, the pulse is deep and wiry and stronger in the right one position. So now I kind of want to pass it to you, Charlene. What, do you think this patient is going through? How would you sort of observe it based on mm -hmm. what this book has told you and your own personal yeah. experience to you as well? I guess when when I read this, I was like, oh, this is a really like common patient, like comes in with like neck shoulder issues and like little bit of physical structural issue, but nothing major to suggest the amount of pain or the amount of like imbalance that they have. Um, so this is actually a really good case study because I think a lot of a lot of practitioners see this type of patients. I think straight away with the pain in the neck, you're thinking some sort of stagnation, either chi or blood that's leading to the pain. But then when he was talking about the lack of strength um, in the limbs, and I was definitely thinking blood because circulation is not good. And then as you go on, you just kind of keep picking out liver signs. For me, it was very like liver related, especially symptoms worse when he's agitated. So like heat as well. And then, yeah, I think his tongue um, and his pulse suggest, I think, liver and some heat signs as well. Definitely. Yeah. What about you? How, uh, you? how did you approach this? Probably very similar to you. Like mm -hmm. at the start, it was more sort of cheap blood stuff. Just like you said, and then it sort of rounds out with the tongue and the pulse that kind of confirms more mm -hmm. sort of maybe a little bit of phlegm or mm -hmm. dampness just based on the tongue and how he's always, mm -hmm. uh, he wants to go forward, but he's stuck and he doesn't really know what to do. And he has mm -hmm. lost his patient, that kind of like stuttering mm -hmm. kind of in how he's sort of dealing with the stress and everything else makes mm -hmm. me think he's very stagnant. Things aren't moving mm -hmm. and that's why he feels that. He gets so bothered very easily by it. Um, but everything else you said is exactly how mm. I would see it as well, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. So how she covers it in the book for the diagnosis is she says qi stagnation with damp heat and diffuse phlegm. In the jing luo, the head, chest, intestines, and the portals of the heart. So it's kind of affected down into a, a little bit of a deeper qi level. And that stagnation has led to damp heat and phlegm being made in those sections as well. So in order to sort of treat this, the treatment principles are to activate liver chi, resolve phlegm heat, uh, resolve damp, damp heat and phlegm, mm -hmm. sorry. Mm -hmm. So during this time, she would normally do nine treatments at an average of once a week where she would space her treatments together at the start 
and then subsequently follow it with longer sort of treatments. So maybe two twice a week and then mm-hmm. following it like once a week and then once every two weeks and that's so on, so on. Mm-hmm. The points that she normally recommends is GP20, LI4, liver 3, gallbladder 34. Um, that's sort of stock standard from my perspective. You just mm-hmm. want to open up the sort of, open the gates, help regulate the chi. Four gates is obviously very common when you have liver mm-hmm. and chi stagnation, anything like that. Um, gallbladder 34 is a new point that I started using more and more just because of the constraints on the sort of liver mm-hmm. constraints on the muscles, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff to, to help relax things and yeah. everything as well. So she mentions that, that she did the gallbladder for the muscular constraint. And then she also altered um, some points as well, I guess, depending on the presentation. So she also did do 14, PC5, stomach 40, and she did do 16, Sanja 5, and gallbladder 41. She does a little bit of explanations about them. So she said, The one interesting thing that she kind of mentioned um, is the second combination is to address the young way mai, which we learned about these channels in like uni. We talked about the master and the um, couple, master and the couple point. Yeah. Is that the term? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But then like we learned that daimai was like the belt and then the chong and the ren is to do the uterus. But for me personally, the yang yin and yang wei mai, there was always information lacking about it. Like when do I use these channels? But then she explained that the yin and yang wei mai can be implicated in mental disturbance when the yin and yang is uh, unbalanced. So actually it was helpful for me to read this and I'm like, oh, I can use this for mental disturbances for um, yin and yang imbalance. So I think it just helped me to open up to understand a little bit more. Really random comment about the yin and yang way. No. I never expected to read that. No, yeah. no. <laughs> it's uh, a little bit like, oh, wow, it's actually something. And it's mm. not just a side comment left sort of, <laughs> ah, yeah, yin chao, yin uh, Ying Wei Mai and Yang Wei Mai is uh, important. Mm. Okay, next. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's and- good to see that it's actually being used and there's an actual purpose for each of those. As well, so. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then she kind of goes on to explain about how he responded to the treatments. So she, I think she also did a cycle of Twina treatments. <laughs> and then so during the first two months, he was kind of the situation was extremely variable and so symptoms would come and they would go and they would seem to improve but then also kind of come back later on and so he didn't seem very convinced or satisfied with the progress and then he would keep asking about the possibility that the symptoms you know might not depend on the condition of the vertebra Um, but then he's like no 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 it can't be it's got to be coming from the vertebra Mm -hmm. so I think he had a little bit of a break as well yeah Um, and I mm -hmm. something I just want to mention as well while you're on it is that the fact that you will see a lot of these patients in your clinic where they feel like, uh, why aren't the results coming fast enough? Or I believe this and whatever I think your thing is wrong or, mm. okay, why isn't this sort of stuff working? What, mm. what do I expect? Right. They're confused. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to sort of cope with 
the lack of their expectations being met Mm -hmm. and it can come out onto you as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So something I like, really like about how she mentioned in the book is to actually deal with these kind of viewpoints that patients will project onto you. Mm -hmm. And for example, during this patient, Mm -hmm. um, while he was courteous in how he sort of replied to her, she talks about how you can sort of approach this. So mm-hmm. one of them that I've got here is, uh, sorry, just give me one mm-hmm. second, um, just to sort of explain why you're doing this kind of things and to understand that you're not just a rubbish bin to listen mm-hmm. to everything that they're trying to say. You're there to sort of sort of take on what they're saying, accept what they're saying and try and move on rather than just, just being having a trash them can. dump everything. Dump on everything you. onto you yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. And then I think also patients don't understand fully about Chinese medicine what we're trying to do. Um, so I think it's important to kind of show them the progress that they've made because sometimes you can just be stuck like focusing on one thing that, you know, you don't realize that things have changed as well. So I think she mentioned for this patient that he, um, he hasn't had certain symptoms, but he didn't realize it until like she kind of uh, triggered it or she asked about it. Like he didn't speak of his intestinal disturbance, but then later on turns out that he didn't need to use his medication anymore. So things kind of, um, changed but they don't really realize when they're focused on one thing too much so it's your job as a practitioner to kind of show them the changes that are happening as well and to let them know what direction that you're going in and what they're going in as well (laughs) it's easy to focus on the bad stuff and just ignore all the good stuff that you've been doing yeah that's Mm -hmm. how i sort of get that as well yeah but then he he also continued his treatments with like twice per month, which is what the, she ends on. And I'm like, that's great. Like, even though he's not like, he's still a little bit hesitant, not convinced, like he's willing to work on it. So he gets some benefit from it and he does see some sort of results for yes. him to continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the next topic while we're going? Mm-hmm. So, so- Yeah, Yeah, so the next chapter would be emotions and heat during this time. So anything that uh, generates the heat through the emotions, anything like that, will sort of come up in this topic. I'm so surprised because heat is a huge factor for the Shen Then I realized as well, like not just the fire aspect, but the effects that the fire can actually do and transform in the body to affect the Shen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think one or one big thing I took away from this section was the dreams um, aspect and the Shen, we talked about it before, but the Shen losing, um, leaving the house and just losing its residence. And um, it also flows into the next part about the sleep. But I think this section fully, like, I guess, made me realize 
that a lot of the emotional stuff is not just the liver um, or just the, say, if there's worry, it's just the spleen. Actually, everything is all interconnected. Um, I think before I was looking at, oh, you're, you're over worrying. Okay, let's treat the spleen. But actually, everything is all connected. And I think these two, the next, I think, is it somnia the next section? Um it's actually agitation think, and restlessness. Oh, okay. Well, the next kind of three kind of tie that all together that um, not one organ or one aspect of the shin is on its own. It's all actually really linked. Yes, exactly. Uh, so in this kind of section, um, I guess it just talks about what we've already mentioned, that the heart governs the shin and the fire. It's it's a very interesting song. So mm. you know how heat, Young, fire, they're all sort mm -hmm. of linked under the same sort of umbrella. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you have a stir up of emotions, so things like mm -hmm. uh, anger, so euphoria, fear, they're all dependent on the different organs that they're associated with those kind of emotions. Mm -hmm. That's the heat or the young part aspect of that emotion. Mm -hmm. And that will damage and consume the yuan chi. So mm -hmm. Yuan Chi is there normally to nourish the heart fire. It's kind of like, I imagine it as like, imagine you had like a fire in a campfire and Yuan Chi is yeah. the wood that helps to mm -hmm. add to the fire. So when you have mm -hmm. these kind of emotions, it burns the Yuan Chi instead and mm -hmm. it, the heart fire can't actually get its nourishment from mm -hmm. the Yuan Chi anymore. Yeah. And then the book also talks about the kind of heart kidney and the, wa uh, the, the water aspect of it as well. Um, so the water is like the zhi. And so when the fire is in excess, then the water is lost. And then you get like the confusion um, and the doubt um, and the disorder as well. So it, it affects not only like the earth, but like the water element also plays into it as well. Exactly, because mm -hmm. how I sort of see it is that if the water is not there to control the fire, it rises up and you're, it kind of goes too yeah. far. And that's mm -hmm. why you get that doubt is because there's no water to pull it back down. Everything's mm -hmm. floating mm -hmm. up and you're very confused about what's going on because your head's in the clouds kind of thing. That's kind of how I yeah. drew the parallels for that mm -hmm. one. So then she also talks about how there's the heat, there's excess heat. Um, and then there's, I guess, what we what we, we refer to as deficient heat or like the yin fire. So one excess, obviously, it comes from the excess of emotions or um, it's an excess of fire. But the yin, the deficient one is from, I guess, the lack of energy. Yeah. So you, like you said, the yin kind of gets consumed um, and then the heat kind of rises because there's none that control is gone um, and then it's like you were talking about it consumes the yuan chi um, and it yeah it just creates a deficient heat in the body rather than an excess heat yes i think that's a much easier way to understand because she actually goes into whole explaining what when the yuan chi is affected the stomach chi will be affected and once the stomach and spleen no longer are able to maintain that position in the middle jiao um, the yin fire from the lower jiao will then take the position that mm. take the earth position and be part of that upper jiao now instead. So it substitutes mm -hmm. the heart fire instead and becomes 
replaced by the menstrual fire, which is kind of like the kidney water fire yeah mm-hmm. as well so yeah and then um she mentions the full fire the excess fire should be drained whereas with the empty fire the deficient fire you should tonify um and then the kind of further down the track when the heat can consume the liquid and that's when the phlegm gets formed that's what we we're talking about the phlegm earlier exactly so the next part I think we can cover now is agitation and restlessness. Yeah, so they refer to the restlessness as a bit more internal restless um, and then the agitation as a bit more um, external um, agitation. So the fan, 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 I don't know the tone, um, corresponds to being irritated, bothered or disturbed and impatient, whereas the zao refers to the physical agitation, for example, like fidgeting and the limbs can't remain still. So, yeah, this is the next section and it's also to do with that heat as well. And the I think the heat and the chi is a big one for this one. Yes, it's kind of how I see it is like it's the ADHD or the ADD sort of mm. um, emotion that they mm. had to deal with where always fidgeting, never sort of sitting down, restless, can't stop thinking, that sort of thing where the heart's always preoccupied or constantly looking. It's unrest pretty much at the end of the day where um, the example she's given is one is hungry but does not desire to eat and cannot mm-hmm. see clearly. The heart mm-hmm. is though as uh, the heart is as though it was suspended, like when one is hungry. So, mm-hmm. if the chi is insufficient, then there is easy fright, with the heart alarmed as though one were about to be captured. Mm-hmm. So it's always on edge. That kind of feeling of agitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think this one's pretty. I guess pretty straightforward. Um, it also, she also talks about the insufficiency of the yin to balance the yang. Um, so the cooling aspect is not enough. Um, and then this can lead to like a deficient heat type of fun as well, like a deficient heat type of like restlessness or agitation. And she also talks a little bit about the true cold and the false heat. Is it mm-hmm. that the right way around? Yes, the hidden um, heat. Yeah, the false yep. heat and the true cold. Yeah. Yep. So it's that is from the emptiness or the yin deficiency. And so the body gets signs of like cold, but the there's also simultaneously signs of heat as well. So that one was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a patient like that before? Not too many, to be honest. Yeah. Like the very fidgety. I've seen a few with fright, like deep Mm -hmm. fright and Mm. gripping of the heart as well, but um, not so much Mm. restlessness, if that makes sense. It's that was more of a kidney, kidney, not being able to anchor the heart sort of Mm -hmm. condition, not so much any uh, agitation or restlessness. Mm. For me, I know a lot of people like that, but uh, <laughs> none I've actually treated personally. So. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's an interesting section, but I guess uh, for me, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see very many patients like that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was interesting to read about. Yeah, because I think a lot of these kind of conditions, um, 
it can be linked to depression and that sort of stuff, but mm. um, it's hard. It's hard to sort of mm. categorize this in a Western medicine terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. So the sort of, uh, I guess, case study that she sort of ran through was just someone who had depression and during this time they had this uh, physical sensation behind the sternum and they felt it was very hot and the heat was rising through them and the way she treated during this heat is to use do 19 do 20 and do 21 uh, to sort of um release and drain some of the heat Mm. from the do meridian yeah and then the other thing i guess to mention from this case study was she talks about how to um talk to the patient and what our roles should be um and this patient was a little bit um he wasn't sure or maybe his symptoms were a little bit um, difficult to explain. So then she let the patient state their own account first. And then she, so without interpretation, and then she interpreted, but she would reuse the phrases that they used. So to make them feel, I guess, comfortable and to kind of let them, to help her understand. So she just let him speak without interpreting first. And I think that's something that we kind of forget to do or sometimes we're just so caught up in the diagnosis that we're just kind of jumping like already interpreting their words yes like Mm. someone's already tired you're already talking about how their spleen chi is probably weak and then you're asking them more in that Mm. sort of category rather than letting them talk and then you Mm -hmm. interpreting it Mm -hmm. which i think is very cool as well Let's move on to the next topic, which is a lot bigger, which is insomnia. Mm -hmm. I think this is the good stuff because a lot of (laughs) patients that I see have suffered from this kind of insomnia where Mm -hmm. um, I guess the young, so during normally when you're meant to be sleeping, the yin is meant to come out and flourish and the young is meant to come back in and sort of reside and wait and rest and nourish with the yin. So during this time, if the patient is not able to sleep. So I think they've categorized it into two sort of section where if predominantly the complaint is difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep or non-restorative sleep for at least a month or, and the sleep disturbance, uh, sleep disturbance causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. Mm-hmm. That's her two main criteria in modern psychiatry, psychiatry mm-hmm. for defining somnia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure about you, but for me personally, um, Clinically, I see a combination of both. So most of the time they aren't kind of separate and they're normally together. If one aspect, if like they have trouble falling asleep, normally it's broken as well, or quite often it's broken as well. Um, or if they're um, got broken sleep, they might be waking up from dreams or nightmares. Um, so there's always a few aspects um, connected to the sleep as well that are imbalanced or disordered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So something I sort of wanted to 
cover is the different types of insomnia, if that makes、mm-hmm. sense. So I guess before going into that,、um, there's five different types of insomnia. She categorizes them as the ones in excess are the fire and the phlegm, and the ones that are deficient is the emptiness of blood, yin or qi. So each one can have different aspects to cause insomnia as well.、Mm-hmm. So during these kind of times.、Um, For example, if a patient is finding that they wake frequently wake during the night, so their sleep is very light and they always wake up, not just to pee, but they just find, oh, oh my god, I'm awake, and then oh, okay, I go back to sleep.、Um, <laughs> this usually indicates that there's the emptiness of the heart, blood, and spleen chi. Their not their heart blood is not able to nourish the with the spleen, and that causes them to wake up, and then. With not enough blood, they have to they have to go back. They're able to sleep again. So that constant back and forth is what's causing that <laughs> sort of initial frequent waking.、Um, another thing that I want to cover is can't fall asleep. So difficulty falling asleep usually resides when the heart fire is having a communication problem with the kidney. So that's the whole fire water aspect where the young cannot. Enter the yin and reside, and they can't get that click. They can't get that click to sort of enter that sleeping sort of mode because the young is either too hyperactive, or there's something that's causing the young not able to reside, or there's not enough yin as well.、Mm-hmm. Could be anything.、Mm. And then in that state, there may also be dreams that disturb the sleep. I think dreams is such an interesting concept from. Chinese medicine because dreams don't really have much correlation and they're re- generally frowned upon in Western medicine. If you have certain types of dreams, unless they're night terrors or nightmares, I think there's not that much from what I'm aware of from a Western、mm. medicine side of perspective to sort of use that. That makes sense.、Mm. Yeah. So from Chinese medicine perspective, it's the、um, liver blood. Deficiency, or it's the liver aspect,、yeah. um, because at night the blood returns to the liver、um, to reside at night. So if the blood is、um, sufficient, then the hun, which is the soul of the or the shin of the liver,、um, can rest. But then if the blood is not enough, then the hun wanders at night, and that's where you get the dreams coming from. So that's the、um, liver, the shin aspects. Not、yes. being anchored, so I thought that was really interesting because for me, I've always it's just been that link in my mind that like oh, if you have dreams like liver tense, like you know something's、yes. going on with the liver.、Yeah. Um, but I mentioned this to you before. I was driving home the other day and I was like, why do we associate dreams with the liver?、Mm-hmm. And now I know、mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And、yeah. it's interesting to see as well when you get nightmares and. It changes from just wandering, so the liver is、mm. obviously stagnant. The hun's、mm. sort of escaped from its house, <laughs> and、mm. once it gets into that nightmare mode, heat starts to rise. That's that's where、mm. the nightmares come from, is because it, the heat turns into fire. It gets very angry, and、mm. then that resides and comes back to you in your、mm. dreams、mm. as well. Let's、and、move then... on to oh yeah, sorry you go. Oh no,、it. I was going to continue, but no,、nope, you can continue. <laughs> Let's go into. Premature awakening. So this is、um, in the middle of the night. You wake up 
at 3 a.m. And for some reason, you can't back go back to sleep. You're like, every night I wake up at 3 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep. What's mm. going on? Uh, so this usually has something to do with the liver fullness or liver chi being constrained or the rising of liver yang. So again, like we talked about before, the yang can't fully rest inside the yin and will come out during prematurely. And the yin can't actually contain the yang during this nighttime when it should be resting as well. Something that I wanted to mention earlier is the mention of the Tao. Um, I know this is a little bit of a segue, but they talk about how movement will always trump stillness during these kind of times. And this is an example of that, where when your body's trying to get that stillness and that resting, if the young still can't come out, it will stop whatever stillness. Young will always trump yin in terms of movement versus stillness, I guess. Stillness. That makes. Mm. Yeah. So let's move on to, unless there's anything else you want to cover, let's move on to agitated sleep. I think we've already sort of touched on this as well, where we talked about nightmares. Um, the most common things that would be involved is the heart, the stomach, and or liver and gallbladder fire. So generally the heat sort of things that will agitate and heat you up during that time when you can't sleep and get some restful sleep, usually it's that heat from the liver, gallbladder, or stomach. Well, the final part of insomnia that they cover is the total absence of sleep. So this goes back to the yin chao mai and the yang chao mai that mm. we talked about as well. So during this time, it's sort of a huge part where your yin and yang is so imbalanced to the point where the heat is coming up and you can't actually get any form of sleep at all. Like the yang just does not want to enter the yin and you, you're left wide awake. Mm -hmm. And this is probably one of the most more severe cases of insomnia because you, no matter what you do, you can't actually, your yang will not enter the yin at all. And then the last sentence is, then yin is empty and the eyes cannot close. So you're closing your eyes, but you're not really closing your eyes. Yes, exactly. The inner eyes cannot be really closed. So the next part, they talk about, I guess, the treatments for insomnia. And she suggests to use moderate stimulation um, of dorsal points is useful. So there's the kind of classic points like the heart seven, the spleen six. And then for the yin and the yang chao mai, she uses bladder 62 or kidney six or and kidney six. And then things like yin tang. And then there's like bladder 15, bladder 44, do 11, bladder 18, bladder 47 as well to help calm the heart and to pacify the liver. Exactly. I think that's mostly it. If you, there's also some other points that you can do in the abdomen. If you think there's not enough chi or there's problems in the middle joints, so like stuff like CV12, CV6, stomach 25. I've actually had an interesting patient where I've used stomach 25 to help calm the shen. Mm. And it's uh, because of that patient I was talking about earlier with the fright and the clutching of the heart, where he feels mm. like this creeping fear coming around. I use... Yeah stomach 25 and kidney six and he felt that there was big improvements in terms of oh. cognition which is oh, I oh. Was very interesting. it's like the earth using the earth yes to come mm. back and bring him back and ground him as well that's so interesting yes uh, i mean he said it, it was very helpful oh, that's so good interesting. um digestive issues as well mm -mm, for that patient not too much to be honest not too many have anything. Mm. yeah 
Yeah. I think it's a good combination for when there's digestive issues and there's sleep issues as well. Stomach 25. Mm, definitely. Alrighty. So then I guess we'll briefly, oh, is there more that you want to speak about for the insomnia section? Or I guess we'll briefly mention the next two sections. Yeah. So the next one is Dian Kuang, so mental health conditions, but they refer to it more as um, schizophrenia. And it's an illness of the heat. And then there's also, I think, phlegm involvement. Well, so it's the where there's the active phases and it's the kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? That kind of out of touch or disorder or like detachment from reality. So like one moment there's like abnormal like happiness and laughter and then the next minute it's like sadness depression or anger so it's kind of that like bipolar um, yeah aspect as well well. I think it's like from one extreme to the other Mm. I don't know if it's specifically like because I think bipolar is something different yeah bipolar is the mood swapping yeah mood swings from left to right sort of uh, schizophrenia is kind of like the delusions hallucinations that sort yeah of stuff there. so yeah when they're like the perception or like the logic is not there like from like social perception or from like social norms or whatever it's like they're very different yes. they yeah they have very different extremes um so yeah it talks about how Kwang is the yang disease and then Dian is the yin disease. So again, it's related to that yin and that yang and the heat and the um, coolness, coldness as well. Um, so yeah, during this time, because of the weakness of the yin and yang, the hun and the po, they kind of disorder and then the jing and the shin separate. So you get that kind of like at odds with reality and that detachment. Um from that like place and time like you don't know where your place is in this time mm-hmm. <laughs> that yep. makes sense yeah. mm-hmm. it's that yeah. no i guess when you see people go like clinically insane that's usually what you can see because mm. they don't know where they are you don't know if they're drifting in and out of reality between those times mm. as well it's kind of like the shen the den part is like the shen has left the building mm. and it will come mm-hmm. back whenever it wants and it will leave and come back whenever it wants yeah. and that's when mm-hmm. you have that drifting in and out of reality as well and then the oh and then so the treatment for that normally is to purge the phlegm and to kind of release the heat as well and then harmonize liver regulate the stomach if it's evolved and then like nourish the yin as well yeah exactly okay let's move on to the next section do you want to read the names <laughs> uh so this is more the last part of this section is more the classical lit part of these syndromes so there's uh, oh there's no there's no uh, pinging in for this so i'm just might butcher these pronunciations so there's dung tao ben tun chi by her being and may her cheat and they're classified them as i guess western psychology as some sort of hysteria but they all a little bit different so the zhang zhao is mostly cold or blood deficiency in the uterus so mostly affects women and then there's an aspect of like the dryness and the chong and the ren as well mm-hmm. these ones i think were a little bit like You've heard of them before, but then you don't actually know. 
I think they require further reading and understanding from my part to fully understand them. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I agree so as well. Ne- oh, yep. Sorry. No, I was just going to go on to the, next, the next one, one. but yes. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say that this Dang Zhao just reminds me, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Chinese drama where the, if let's say the son dies or something, the the mother's always weeping hysterically. She's uh, like, "Oh my god, my son's been my killed, son. my son!" And that they enter that phase of Tanzhao mm. where it's always crying, always weeping, mm. and yeah. no matter what they do, it always comes with that sadness. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's actually a good good way to put it. Good imagery. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then the next one um, is. Um, and that's the running piglet chi. Um, so it's this feeling of like the movement of chi that starts in the lower abdomen and then kind of rises um, to attack the throat and then it kind of jumps out, like breaks out and you feel like you're about to die um, and it's caused and then it stops suddenly and then it's caused by like fear and fright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess the etiology they talk about um, is like the kidneys. The kidneys disordered for this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, and it's coming from that lower jaw, so it's kind of coming from that kidney and that fear as well. Yeah. Um, so then they also talk about like different um, categories of it and different acupuncture points to use. Um, there's a bit much to go through, so if that's, if that's something that interests you, you can go ahead and just read, I guess, this section of the book. Yeah. I guess the main points that I want to mention is probably use CV, all the bottom CV um, points. So like CV3, mm-hmm. CV4, CV5 are all big aspects of treating these kind of conditions where it's coming from the bottom and it's gripping the teeth. And you can read a bit mm-hmm. further more if you want to see what, when to use what. But those are the three major points as well as liver 13, liver 14, and CV7 as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is by her Bing. And that one, they talk about how there's few physical signs and it's more the kind of um, strange alterations in the behavior. So kind of the opposites, like swinging from um, one thing to the opposite and then the intentions and then are like um opposite and there's the patterns of heat and cold um but in fact are neither so yeah this one is attributed to the empty lung and the heart yin with heat as well yeah so how i kind of think of this one is like it's the uh the dow syndrome (laughs) where it's like you want this but it's actually this and if you want this Mm. it's like you want to eat but you cannot eat you want to mm-hmm. remain silent. Uh, you remain silent, but you want to talk. You want to mm-hmm. lay down, but you're standing up. It's it's kind of like that. That's how I see this kind of. There's a the yi is gone where you intend to do something, but there is that separation between what you want and what mm-hmm. you're actually doing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last one is. Mei He Chi, and that's the plumstone chi one. So the phlegm kind of rises to the throat and it accumulates there and it um, 
yeah produces that blockage yeah. in the in the throat. Yes, even though there's nothing physically there, if you they've done scans and they feel like something's stuck in there, and even though there's nothing actually physically there, there's a lot of that chi blockage stuck there, where you feel like you want to cough it out and you want to breathe, but there's something that's really stuck in there. Mm-hmm. If you encounter mm-hmm. these cases, look into Bansia Hopotang. That is the mm. clinical classical formula to use. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the yeah. easiest way to sum up that chapter. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So that is section two. Um, it was a lot to take in and I think a lot that we can use clinically as well. Yes. What were your thoughts? I think, to be honest, in this particular podcast episode, we've just scratched the surface. There's still so much knowledge hidden within these depths and we've tried to scrape everything we can to fit it within an hour um mm. but if there's any sort of questions or any cases that you want to go us for us to go back into please message us or please send us a message and we will mm. more than happy to sort of include that in one of yeah. our podcasts because yeah there was a lot of case studies um and role plays and things like that that she included in there that we wanted to include as well but I think as we got talking we're like oh wait there's so much content there's so so much to say yeah Yeah. so there's definitely stuff that we missed out on so yeah let us know I guess what you thought um what you thought the interesting or the important aspects are and if we can maybe do an extra episode I guess in terms of just talking about case studies that she's counted Mm -hmm. treatment principles and how she what she did in order to treat these patients Mm. so we hope this offers some insight for you into shen from us at forever young thank you for listening to do with us don't forget to follow us on social media and join our facebook group for some book discussions and we've been the forever young podcast and we'll read with you next time bye bye